Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. Hey, potential podcast listeners. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions, plus you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com potential. That's betterhelp.com potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. Oompa Loompa Doopa Dee Dodcast. If you want some entertainment, listen to our podcast. Huh? Huh? Was that the new theme song? Alright, let's get the episode started. I like it. Talking all things entertainment pop culture, and nerdum. This is The Potential Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to The Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my chocolate-eating, chocolate-making, chocolate-selling Chocolate candy man himself, chocolatier, uh, Taylor Wonka Sokol. Um, little known fact, people yeah. didn't know that's his middle name. Um, but here we are, folks. We're doing kind of a special episode today. Uh, this kind of snuck up on me. I didn't even know this was happening, and um, good thing we caught it with not too much time to spare by the time this episode uh, premieres. But on June thirtieth, 
of just 2021, just, just, you know, about two weeks ago now, we had the 50th anniversary for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the 1971 film, uh, of course, starring the one and only the late, great Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. So we thought, you know what? We have to do an episode, not only on this movie, but on this franchise, because yeah, and the whole legacy of the just the, the story. There's a lot to, uh, that has happened for the Willy Wonka. A lot Wonka. to unwrap. And a lot to, to Oh, yeah. you see, folks, I like I like this banter. Wow. Wow. Great. <laughs> uh, Eugene Levy, Willy Wonka, 2028. Uh, wow. But, uh, <laughs> welcome to my factory. Uh, wow. Uh, Only thing bigger than my eyebrows are the candy bars. Wow. <laughs> Um, so, um, anyway, so let's start off Taylor. Okay. So I think when it comes down to, uh, most beloved movies of all time, this is definitely one of those in there, you know, Gene Wilder made a huge career as a comedic actor. And of course he worked a lot with Mel Brooks, but this is one of his films that are a standout in terms of other movies he did. And kind of bring in more of a family friendly audience to his work. Yes, yes. And also, this is, you know, you're thinking of the time period of we're looking, you know, a couple years past things like Mary Poppins and uh, bed knobs and broomsticks, you yes. know, stuff like that. This being a unique movie that it is like a, it is a musical, like there are a, a bunch of songs in this. Uh, so it's not only the first live action adaptation of the Road Doll novel, but it's also this kind of fun musical film and how this would definitely be kind of a jumping point for a bunch of other similar films that kind of follow this not this story per se but this kind of genre of film so i mean gosh to go back in time here obviously we were not alive when this movie first came out but well we look really good if we we did we would yeah i mean wow we'd be pretty looking pretty good for 50 but um what what are your early memories of the story of willy wonka and the chocolate factory uh, either from the book or from first time seeing the movie. Well, I was I was first introduced to it because uh, the movie, and I think what what kind of really helped this movie to to new generations is like many films at the time um, during like I think when TV started really playing movies uh, on repeat, and that was kind of when I was uh, I think exposed to it. But I think I might have gotten it on VHS, and I just I fell in love with the movie. Um, very very early on and i something about you know the the music because i really enjoyed the musicals and i think i was watching all kinds of ones like chitty chitty bang bang and then this one was like kind of near and dear to my heart and then later on you know there was actually a lot of adaptations of roll doll books that i had gotten into and so i think around the time then i was like oh i was introduced to his work and then i started reading the books as well to kind of you know, hit at home. But yeah, I was just really, I think still to this day, you know, I, I, anytime, you know, I think of, you know, some of the songs that just come to me, but I, I just remember it was so weird and so wonderful. And that was, I think my first introduction to Gene Wilder. It probably would have been. Yeah. I would imagine. So for me as well, you know, I don't think we would have seen one of his yeah, blazing saddles or anything. Yeah. <laughs> no Brooks films. I mean, if, if anything, maybe young Frankenstein, but at that point, I'm sure this was the first uh, time to see Gene Wilder. And this is one of those mesmerizing performances where, you know, he, there's so much to Willy Wonka where you get the hints of maybe the life he had before this factory and the fame and why he's doing what he's doing throughout this film to kind of let it go, to pass it on to a new generation. 
And there is, you know, there's been a lot of the, uh, of course, as time has gone by, there's been a lot of the uh, somewhat joking uh, connections that maybe Willy Wonka is some kind of crazy uh, murderer who <laughs> likes to kidnap kids and we never see them again. And the way that, you know, he kind of just shrugs off the next kid and moves to the next room. But there is something so fantasy-like of this film, especially just thinking, I think as kids, we're obsessed with candy. We really are. Like, yeah. I think as we get older, you know, you kind of lose your love for candy. It's still always there, but it's not like when you're a kid, you know? Yeah, I mean, it goes to, I think it, it's a forbidden uh, treat. Yeah. It's taboo. It's like um, when you're a kid, oh, you can have that if you finish your dinner, uh, finish, finish your, your homework. Yeah, it's, your I, I think we like candy more than ice cream. I think candy you was get, like... You get one bar or, of course, you know, the uh, hugely popular day of Halloween when you get to go trick or treat. But the idea of a full factory that's made of candy. And one lucky kid is going to win a lifetime supply of chocolate. Oh, come on. That's the ultimate. I mean, you're going, oh, I want that. I want that. And this movie represents that that um, that kind of youthful wonder of maybe that can happen to me. And, of course, the fact that there is our main character of Charlie is he's not a kid of, of wealth or riches. I mean, no, no. You know, he's a kid of, uh, uh, you know, he, he has to understand that his family has only so much and they get by, but he's definitely a kid that has um, big dreams. And he has, he has something about him that is a little more street smart, a little more, um, uh, adaptable than some of the other he's a little more world weary and he he sees the wor world for a different lens yeah 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 so i mean of course <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie i mean it's hard to say uh spoiler warning when it's been 50 years uh it's a pretty um popular story i think for those who have never seen the film but obviously yes this movie is based on a character named Willy Wonka who has a chocolate factory and he decides to have a contest where he will put five golden tickets in five random Wonka bars around the world and those ticket winners will get to take one person with them to tour the chocolate factory and there will be a grand prize for one person to win a lifetime supply of chocolate and even this this I think what's so great about this film is even just the first big chunk of it is so like you're so like on a guessing game because you don't you don't meet Willy Wonka till like 40 minutes into the film like yeah exactly so it's very it's this mystery he's an enigmatic person like nobody ever goes in and nobody goes out <laughs> like the the factory's been closed for a long time you're there's like, a lot what? of this a lot of this mystery and a little bit of this darkness in this film uh, we see throughout the film I mean and especially because and you know, like with the character of Slugworth, and uh, just the very beginning when they see the factory and the lights come on, and uh, you get the little creepy guy with this cart, <laughs> and I just like it's very dark to watch it as a kid. But I, I think the material, though, the when we'll get into this later with the book, the book shows you know kids it, it treats kids as adults. You know, it, it gives them a bit that, and I think that's you know these all these kids in there are. They are kids, but, you know, they're given this free will and this kind of reign, like, hey, you can make your own decisions. So, but it, it does challenge you. But there are some very dark moments throughout this film. And I think Gene Weiler adds to that, especially like to, towards when, you know, he's first introduced. 
Well, yeah, it really, he plays that fine line between he is the the showman, he is the the host, but it's that like sarcastic humor of, you know, obviously the four, the four other kids um, are all, they all have, you know, some kind of vice about them of, of they want, you know, uh, Augustus eats too much and then yeah. violet mike is TV, so yeah mike tv wants to just be the center of attention and center of attention violet clearly wants to keep breaking records and then veruca is just a spoiled brat who thinks that her daddy can buy her anything to even the point where he's like all right wonka how much for it you know it's not for sale <laughs> like i love that that bit keeps happening that he thinks you just buy uh the factory don't worry but... we'll get you in later <laughs> Whereas Charlie, again, coming from means of nothing, he doesn't have any of these vices. He he comes from, you know, he has a very small house uh, that he lives with his mom. Uh, dad's not in the picture. And then we have our <laughs> the infamous bed with four grandparents that all sleep head to toe in it, uh, which is hilarious. And so you, you could see that when all these kids start to go to the movie, obviously, as they start to tour the factory and one by one, some kind of uh thing attracts them it's almost too perfect like yeah it's like oh you couldn't have planned that better Mm. yeah and like you know to the point that they then mysteriously disappear and of course the the parental unit that's with them starts to freak out and is like wonka where's my kid And, and then it's just the the very dry sarcastic the way that gene just really performs those like Oh, he'll he'll be fine. I love it. Like when Veruca runs off and he's like, "Stop! No, go come back!" <laughs> and he's like, "Please do something. Help! Rape! Murder!" <laughs> and like for this is being a kid movie again. I think it's because it's the seventies. You know, we probably wouldn't see uh, similar writing down the line. But I mean, right off the bat, something that's unique about this movie that most book to movies never get. Rodal wrote the screenplay for this movie. Yes, and I, I think it's kind of, it's gotten a little bit better over the years in terms of TV shows and movies. But yeah, this was probably one of the first you know big movies where an author got a chance to help with the screenplay. And I bet that you know for, there has been the um, you know comparison to the Tim Burton film, which we'll talk about in a little bit. How. There's some elements of that that are a little more accurate to the book, but I bet that, you know, in 1971, uh, you know, with the budget they probably had, I mean, this only was made for $3 million, if you can believe that, um, you know, thinking of this day and age, they probably didn't have the, the CGI and stuff to do some of the scenes that are in the book that require you know, such as the squirrels and like, there's, there's so many things that would not feasibly have worked. Well, I don't think train, I think train squirrels is not like something that, you know, I don't think, I think Hollywood those, has trained squirrels. No, I don't think that's like in like a department. Uh, we could do that, but um, we uh, can make that happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know what's kind of funny though? We talk about the casting of Gene Wilder. We're getting a little more into him, but you know that all six members of Monty Python were actually all expressed interest in in playing Willy oh. Wonka, but they weren't deemed big enough stars for the role. Um, and but later on, later on, Cleese, Idol, and Palin were later considered for the same role in Tim Burton's version kind of interesting so oh, legacy I, I could see honestly of the six just because of uh, wilder in my head i would see eric idol just just with the voice and his he he's the best singer of the python group obviously he's the musical one and i i that would have been interesting to see if it would have been a little more 
Like, I think, again, the, the dry humor of how Gene plays it, it is like a little more adult laugh. Ha ha. It's not so much kids are going to laugh at it. Yeah. It's also know? his 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 facial expressions throughout the film. It's just the kind of like that twinkle, like little evil, like mischievous glint, excuse me, uh, in his eye when he kind of looks around. And also just the tone of how he speaks it is so very it's soothing but also a little bit little eerie and then you you balance that then with like all these songs like obviously him singing pure imagination is uh you know that is of course the song i'd say it's either the oompa loompa song or pure imagination are probably the two uh most recognized from this film but um to think that that song pure imagination He's like drawing them in. He's really getting them hooked on the wonder of this factory. And, you know, if you can think it, it can happen. If you, you know, if you can dream it, it can happen. And, but there is, there is definitely an eeriness to that song. There's an eeriness to this whole movie. I mean, uh, we got to talk about that boat scene uh, has terrorized people for, for decades. Um, the, the boat scene where, it's all projections going on. And like creepy images. I know. And then, and then, and then. I know. It's like, <laughs> and he's just like, and like there's and praying mantis. And his and eyes are going like nuts. And I just, the lighting, it's like, this is the kind of movie that you need that warning. By the way, uh, people with, uh, you know, epilepsy uh, or epilepsy seizures, please do not watch yeah. photosensitive material <laughs> we see that all the time on this stuff but uh you know i don't know if you know this i thought this was really cool the fact that willy wonka when before he was cast in the role though um he accepted the role on one condition and i think this is really fascinating because i thought it was part of the original like screenplay when he made it's because of his first entrance he wanted to have the thing where he walks in like a cane and that was he's like this has to be in the film if i accept this role and i was like that's crazy and um and the best quote he said, the reason why I wanted wanted that in the film um, was because from that time on, no one will know if he's lying or telling the truth. So it, it added to the mystery of the character because the whole time, you don't know, is he really nuts? Is he a sweet uh, chocolatier? Or what? what is his intentions the whole time? You're like, you don't know where he stands. And I love that the, the movie keeps you guessing the entire film exactly. until the end. Um, even to the point where near the end, you think he is this crazy bad man. Um, until you kind of get that it was all a test. Um, but, you know, going off of the songs, I mean, this has a lot of wonderful songs in it. Uh, there's some really beautiful, uh, you know, ballads, and then there's a lot of these funny upbeat songs. And of course, uh, the I've Got a Golden Ticket. Uh, we have I Want It Now, uh, the big song that Veruca sings. And then you just think of the, the Oompa Loompa song. And speaking of Oompa Loompas, I mean, of course, that is a part of the book, uh, these helpers. And, you know, obviously in this movie, they don't go into detail uh, really where they, they don't come go to, from. And stuff, they don't yeah. go into a huge detail as Tim Byrne got to explore where they come from. But just these uh, the color choice of, you know, the, the orange face and the green hair. And it really makes it very cartoony looking. Uh, and there is a lot of color in this film especially once they do hit the factory, everything's so bright and colorful, but the Oompa Loompa song, how it always changes so that they can rhyme with the despair of what's going to happen to the next kid or what, what did happen to the kid. <laughs> like, which was funny. Cause they, they later on in the Tim Burton version, they make fun of it. Like, how do they know it was going to happen? Uh, it's like, um, it's called a uh, improv. <laughs> and I think I, if, if for uh, those fans of the office, I, I do really think it's hilarious when there's the one episode where Andy goes, <laughs> Oompa loompa doopa dee dossum, and then he says something 
totally awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just the fact that, you know, again, you can make anything to make it rhyme. But um, there is, uh, yeah, a lot of, of great songs in here, uh, which were composed by Leslie Bercus and Anthony Newley and music direction by Walter Scharf. And actually, this was, I believe, nominated for uh, Best Original Score um, for this film. So, and the only other real nomination that this film got was Gene Walder was nominated for Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. Uh, but both of those nominations, they lost to Fiddler on the Roof. And The Candyman, though, I, it actually is saying the Candyman was introduced in this film, but obviously we know that Sammy Davis Jr. took that, and that was you know much probably more. Probably, I think it was probably the first time like it got to you know more mainstay, mainstay where, where to a general audience, especially so national. But um, yeah, it's just, it, and I think that's that just so shows it stands the test of time. Like still, like thinking about these songs, like we, I've maybe seen the movie honestly, maybe not in its entirety that many times, but at least. Anytime it's on TV, I'm just I'm glued. Yeah, you know? I think I think you and I would probably say at least over thirty times, yeah. at least <laughs> probably, not, yeah, not more. Just because it, it this is definitely a rewatchable film. It it just has the the touch of charm. It's entertaining. It's fun. It's not too long. It's only about uh, hour forty, and it is just magical. There's you know, there's no you know, it's, it's like it's a fantasy film without really being a fantasy, if you will. Um, minus of course the. <laughs> The end sequence with the uh, elevator is about the most. But I mean, think of the fun sequences in this film. You know, like there's the bubble room is a hilarious scene. And, you know, got to give a shout out here to Peter Ostrom, who plays Charlie, and Jack Albertson, who played Grandpa Joe. Uh, just great chemistry there. And, and I, know, Grandpa, I, I, Grandpa Joe, man, I, I always quote him, look at me up and about. <laughs> it's like, I haven't stepped foot in over 20 years. Which, I, I of course, I always think of... Um, if he's been in that bed for 20 years, he would not be able to hop around and walk. But that's the magic of musical theater. Exactly. You play the music and all of a sudden I can sing, I can dance. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, but like that, the whole scene with the, there's the scene with yeah, the bubble room. They, they're almost hitting the fan. Like they keep burping to go down. Um, I love that scene with the the kind of, I, I always thought of it as like the car wash scene, but it's like, you know, the big truck that goes through. Oh, it's a little suds and it's like all the, yeah. And they're just getting blown by everything. And Willy Wonka's just it's like singing and funny. And then when it goes out, they're all magically clean and nothing, you know. It was, it, it's a cool little effect that we used later in Danny Boy. Uh, right? Yes, we did. But uh, you know what? And I just think that initial scene when they're in the factory and everything, everything's eatable or edible. Uh, and I think that was just, that's like a pure, huh, a pure imagination. It's just a, a pure delight because you're like, I want to go in a room where I can eat everything eating the grass and you know drink drinking the chocolate river although the chocolate river did not look as chocolatey uh, or drinkable <laughs> like save some for later augustus uh but uh yeah just just still like going back and watching that scene when they first walk in and that twinkling i love the just the the little chimes and uh it's just well, even of... like the room with the i love that room that you know they walk in and you can scratch and sniff the wall yes yeah the snozberries snozberries <laughs> smell like snozberries and then they start going down the one hall and it's like is it just me wonka is that room getting smaller and then like no he, we're he getting puts, bigger yeah he puts the key into the little door but then the whole wall opens and it's like the factory it's just like magic man you know as a kid you're like in well, think awe. about when this came out i mean they did a lot of great practical effects that a lot like... of practical effects and I think that that's what makes it so great about it. 
And I think, again, why this stands the test of time, it's very similar to the vein of Wizard of Oz as a family film, because this is a lot of family films. Oh, we're, we're a great family film. No, because it's, it's delightful. It's very funny, but it, it is scary. And it, and it does have a lot of imagination to it. I think that's, that's where a lot of family f- films fall short because you need a good blend where the parents can enjoy in that. So there's just the right amount of, it's not very like, even, you know, what I love is when all the people are, the whole world's going nuts looking for these Wonka bars and these little scenes that are still like, uh, timeless. Like I love when the guys go to the computer. I have now this computer that can find the exact detail. And it's like the computer, this is before like AI was really, and it, and it was so like, and then like this one woman's like her husband's, her husband's a hostage. And he's like, they want your case of wonky bars. Man, but your why your husband, are, uh, the wonka bars. He's like, how long did I get to think it over? <laughs> Just like the, the humor. And you know, I, I think too, because a lot of this was filmed, um, not not all the world scenes, but a huge part of it outside of the factory was filmed in Munich. Yeah, there is kind of this fairy tale element to it. You know, this is a, a tale that you know, thinking of other things like Pinocchio or you know, uh, Sleeping Beauty, uh, you know, Snow White. Like thinking of some of the Disney uh, classics. This has that fairy tale element where you know our main character goes on a journey and learns some lessons, and in the end is rewarded for that where all the other kids that make the bad choices all for what we know disappear and or are never seen again. So, uh, and there's some really beautiful scenes, especially like outside the factory uh, and just, you know, going through the town and like where Charlie lives. I mean, it's kind of, it's not specifically Munich in the movie. It's just kind of, you know, the town he lives in, but it has that village. It has that European style to it. It makes it kind of unique of where it's placed. Well, the fact that, you know, Charlie, you know, he's kind of riding the bike around because he doesn't have, have a car. So he's always just on his bike. So I think that kind of adds to that element of where a lot of people in those like little towns and stuff would just kind of ride a bike around and just, it does add to that charm and that very, it's, it is set in a time period, but there's also a mix of timelessness and that f- the fairy tale setting. It, it reminds me a little bit too of like um, in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, you know, that that whole film. Also done by another famous uh, author, Ian Fleming. Fun Ian fact. Fleming, yeah. Chitty, Chitty Bang Bang. Chitty! I had to throw that in there. Yeah, I know. But, you know, that movie also feels like it's somewhat modern time, but also feels classic. A lot of European uh, elements to it. Um, very yeah, similar. You got to think that's got to be tough to do a film that, the fact that it still stands the test of time today, that's, that's crazy. Cause it, it's not, it's not a lot of dated like material to be honest. And I think that's, what's great. No, about like, yeah. the Situations are timeless, uh, you know, and, and just think of, you know, nowadays we're so used to seeing contests for things all the time, you know, all over the internet. Uh, you know, of course, nowadays there'd be a whole, like, you know, you have to follow uh, Willy Wonka's Instagram and comment and then share on your story and you'll be entered for one of five golden tickets. You know, <laughs> it would, it'd be much different now. It would be, be like, follow Willy Wonka's TikTok and then, uh, you know, make it, you know, it'd be a whole thing. But it does stand the test of time. It is just one of those uh, great American films. It will stay that way for a long time. And it's incredible to celebrate 50 years of this film and really uh, a film that is, one of the defining films in Gene Wilder's career. Um, one of his best characters he's ever done. 
And you could tell that he definitely had a lot of heart in it and uh, really took pride in the, the role, which, um, you know, not everyone I think would have done the same given the opportunity. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a masterful film, but you know, that film would not be the only crack that someone would take at this story. And, you know, Willy Wonka has continued to grow over the last few decades and we're even getting some more news of a prequel down the line. So, you know what, Taylor, let's go take a candy break. Ooh, uh, the Oompa Loompa. My sugar's and, uh, low. My sugar's yeah, low. We need, need a little uh, hit of sugar there. And uh, we'll be right back with some more Chocolate Factory talk here on the Chocolate Factory podcast. <laughs> well, well, he's done it again, folks. Mr. Willy Wonka is back with a brand new lineup of all kinds of sweet, fun, and zany treats. How does he do it? We don't know. And you know what? We don't care. You know what, though? Let's let the man, the myth, the candy man himself, Willy Wonka, speak for himself. Wonka? Hello, boys and girls. Parentals, hornswanglers, vermicious canids. The Oompa Loompas and I are so delighted to present some of what we've been cooking up. Fun House Feddy, the candy that really gets the party started. Snicker Kickers, candy shoes you can run around all day in and then chow down on to give your day that little kick. Suspension Taffy, for those intense moments. Oh, that I hope will last. Thanksgiving is around the corner, so why not try Wonka's Berry Belt Buster? And we have a whole line of appliances where you can bring a bit of the factory to your home. And, speaking of the holidays, you really want to have a fun time with the family. Try Wonka's egg experience. Want to rate your family if they're a good egg or a bad egg? Well, now this scale will help you, and if you're a bad egg, you'll know it. Try my Chocolate River Fondue set. For those fancy nights when you want to enjoy dessert the right way, please, it's a fondue, not a fondant. Check out all these excitingly sweet, tasty treats at your local food markets, Walmarts, and Targets. Fun snacks and activities for the whole family. It's going to be Wonka-rageous. Tonight we look at the darkest side of a candy tycoon. Five years ago, the Wonka Company held a contest inviting five children into the closed factory for a chance to win a lifetime supply of chocolate. Four of the children were never seen again. Did these four children make it out, or is Mr. Wonka secretly a serial killer? This is Unsolved Mysteries. We start off by speaking with the local candy shop owner, Bill, who sold the final golden ticket to a young Charlie Bucket, the winner of the contest. I never met Mr. Wonka personally. His factory is just downtown. Always gave me the creeps walking by there. No one ever went in. No one ever came out. The contest was a big deal. Business was booming. We never sold so many Wonka bars. The shipments always showed up on time, but I never saw a delivery truck. No workers. Nothing. Charlie was a good kid. He deserved to win. But the other kids... What happened to them? It's a shame. Who could do something like that? I'll tell you who. The Candyman can. Yeah, the Candyman can. 
The Wonka factory looks much brighter, alive under the management of Charlie Bucket. We were fortunate enough to get an exclusive interview with a young Kenny tycoon. Meeting Mr. Wonka changed my life. He's a brilliant man, albeit a little strange. And look, I'm thankful to be running his factory. None of us could have known it was all for this, his little contest. And as for the other kids, bad eggs, really. You shouldn't believe the rumors. Those kids all made it out just fine. Didn't they? And where is Mr. Wonka these days? He's still here in the factory. Lives down in the basement. I'm not allowed down there. Keeps himself, mostly. Occasionally I go and chat with him through the door slot if I have a new idea for candy. And what do you think is down in that basement? Oompa, loompa, doopa dee dee. If you cross Wonka, you'll never leave. We leave Mr. Bucket in what seemed to be a fit of madness, and decided to try our luck and see if Mr. Wonka would speak it to us directly. Have you been enjoying my factory? I love what Charlie's done with the place. He really is a gifted boy. As for the others, Gloop, Beauregard, TV, and Salt. I can assure you they all were safely returned to their parents in good time. My workers took proper care of them. If you'd like to see the police report, you can. They found nothing, and never will. By the way, be on the lookout for our new contest coming up with Charlie's new line of Wonka bars. It'll be to die for. A fun candy maker or devious megalomaniac. The factory lights up like a pillar in the sky, and yet the dark corners may hold more questions than answers. It's a sweet-tasting mystery with a bitter aftertaste of uncertainty. If you know of other whereabouts of the four missing children from Willy Wonka's factory, please call us. This has been Unsolved Mysteries. Well, we're back. Yes, we are. Well, Taylor, so... I've never read the book itself, and I know there actually is also a sequel book, and there was a planned third book that never actually got finished, but you have read the two books, both books, correct? Uh, Yes. So um, I read uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and um, the Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, which uh, which definitely, you know, the first one obviously has so many... the fantasy elements and all that such but that the second one kind of took it to new heights because they like end up going um basically they go to like another planet because this elevator can do like do more um and so they um you know he basically the elevator you know goes into orbit and they they end up meeting the uh, the add to like the characters the the the, the vermicious canids which are these uh, space <laughs> monsters which he kind of references if you remember the movie and also in the book so I thought that was it was very fun and it's very roll doll I mean I've enjoyed all his books um, I mean the witches the BFG so all that but it's definitely it definitely has that that good bit of whimsicalness and I think it lent itself to some really good source material um, for for the movies. And, um, it was kind of, and I, I can get this, but, um, a lot of people, I'm not sure if they know this, but if you have not read the book and many people may only know Willy Wonka thinking that's just, just, just the movie, but it was based off this book. 
And Roald Dahl, we talked about earlier, he was, you know, help with the screen, help create the screenplay. But of course, when uh, directors have their vision, authors have their vision, and they change a lot. And he was very, he was, he disowned the film. He was very upset with it, um, which I think is, that's a tough thing to do. And it's, nowadays I see a lot of adaptations of, you know, TV series and movies where most of the authors are pretty happy. You think about Harry Potter with J.K. Rowling. I think she's pretty, pretty happy with all that. And there's, there's other people like that. Um, but yeah, so he disowned the film, um, and I think because of the addition of the musical numbers. But I think if you think of the Willy Wonka, this one, and then the remake, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, we're about to talk about, there, without having that music, I think it, it, it doesn't help as well. I think it would it lose a little bit of that wonder. And I think the music's a great kind of break, and it does add a little bit more brevity uh, to some of the darker moments. And I think you kind of need that, because otherwise it's a little it's a little intense film then. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that because I feel like it's a very similar story to um, Disney making Mary Poppins with Travers. Uh, yes. Also not really really that happy with the whole process and saying, I don't want any animation in this. And they made a movie about it, of course. Um, if you've seen the movie Saving Mr. Banks, which is a, a wonderful film about behind the scenes of that, um, it's true. Like there's just some books that I feel like need they they need that extra element to go to film and i do think that the musical numbers in the original movie helped uh willy wonka but that's also the fine line you know when you do a book to movie adaptation is sometimes you are uh hit by how long the movie can be um you know obviously budget and special effects at the time you know yeah. this is 1971 this movie was made for $3 million. Of course, $3 million in 1971 is probably a lot more than you think. But it's a lot of Wonka bars. You know, to think that the, the movie only grossed $4.5 million. So, like, you know, it did make its money, but not much after that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, but, yes, there would eventually, down the line, we would get um, Tim Burton, who, you know, has taken quite a crack at a few properties, doing his own spin of, a little bit, you know, he likes to go into a little more of the macabre, the dark, the the eerie, but there's also a goofiness. There's always a goofiness and a playfulness to Tim Burns' work. It's not always meant to be, it's not horror. It's a little bit of a weird mix with, you know, still originality. And I think, I think that's why he has had such a great relationship with Disney, because he blurs that line very well um, ever since Nightmare Before Elm Street. So, uh, not, I'm sorry. Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> oh, Disney. Didn't know that. <laughs> what have I done? Come here, I get your nightmares. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, so we had in 2005, we had um, what, what is somewhat considered a remake, but it's also a little more close to the source material. Um, and so this was the new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory starring Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka, which was to no surprise because that's Tim Burns' muse, if you will, at the time. And Freddie Highmore was cast as Charlie Bucket. So in terms of the plot, it was very much the same story of, you know, the, the contest happens and the five kids and, you know, somewhat similar to how uh, the original movie went. But where this got to really differ was we saw a lot more behind the, uh, behind the scenes and, um, kind of flashbacks to why Willy Wonka decided to go into candy making. We get this whole kind of creepy backstory. Uh, Christopher Lee is his father in this film, uh, is a dentist and how that affected their relationship and how, you know, 
you shouldn't eat candy your teeth are messed up there was a lot of weird that's that's very much the tim burn element there um and then we also see like you know how he kind of discovered the oompa loompas uh in this jungle and how he discovered the cocoa bean and we get a lot more like just grandiose because of course we have cgi now we have uh ways to make movies much more uh realistic with everything and uh you know obviously a much bigger budget at this point so i feel like you know for someone like me who has not read the book i still enjoy the johnny depp version for what it is because it is it is weird it's very colorful it it didn't really copy and paste but it made it some of its own, but it didn't really do anything to disservice the original one. Like, you know, I can, I can differentiate the two yeah. enough for me. Like I've definitely seen, I've only seen Charlie and the Shock Factory a handful of times, but I remember walking out of that movie theater being like, you know, that was a lot of fun. It, it, mm-hmm. didn't, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, that was a piece of crap. I'm never watching this again. Didn't feel like that to me at all. I thought it was pretty fun and very difficult job to be someone that's to follow up the footsteps of Gene Wilder. We've seen this now plenty of times in other movies where, we're seeing prequels or remakes or, you know, like for example of Solo, you know, with uh, Han Solo, uh, you know, having to be a, a younger actor. We're seeing this a lot more happen in Hollywood now. You know, sometimes you have to kind of differentiate. You can't just go, well, they didn't do a good job because the original yeah, you, was so much you, better. You, you got to do your own thing. And I mean, we've seen that uh, like, again, you talk about like just random examples of following up a top-notch performance. Look at the live ad- adaptation of Aladdin, you know, go from Rob Williams to his beloved to Will Smith, but again, doing your own spin on it because it's like, I'm not going to do a copy of that performer or this actress or whatever. I've got to do my own thing because that's me. And you got to, you got to play it to your strengths. And I think that's Johnny Depp does it very well about creating an iconic character I mean, he really and we've just talked about that most recent you know recently so i think that's that's what's really cool about that and you know the way to design willie wonka in this you know really gene walder looked like himself like he does in every other movie yeah, just, a, you know, uh, just purple and coats and the top hat johnny depp had this far quad looking you know edna moan bob uh hair he had kind of bigger white teeth a little more pale um very pale and then he just he was so um you know you kind of felt like his like he was sunk in a little bit like he just he was like so far gone with how his journey has been that he like kind of played kind of played as like a germaphobe like kind of like a germaphobe but like like oh um you know, like the anytime he'd reference kids, he like almost like he's gonna she's holding back, he's gonna throw up. So there was a little <laughs> bit of a like, you know, um, it's kind of like kind of like Luc- kind of like Lucifer uh, in the show when he's like, oh, kids, I just despise children. So it had a little bit of that, like he had, um, um, he maybe struggled with uh, OCD or, or anything like that. So, so I think there, I think that was kind of interesting. Like that's what I got from the vibe because it was like, not, oh, this is a weirdo. It's like he's struggling with a lot. Yeah, which I think played into the movie better in that we kind of got why you got why he wanted to go into to making candy in the first place. And then you see how that, you know, kind of madness took over. And you have to imagine, too, uh, you know, the whole story of him locking himself up in the factory and, and closing it for so many years. It's just him and his Oompa Loompas. So yeah, like, they all look and they all look the same. So it's not like, the same. yeah, it's not like uh, Barry, Larry and Jerry, you know, that's yeah. all it's all Barry. <laughs> Um, exactly. So, but you know, you have to think at some point he's probably sitting up in his tower 
so alone and just looks out to the world and like and looks at, you know uh, you know similar to you know other characters that johnny played like edward scissorhands and things and so i think there was a little more madness to the method here in terms of maybe a little backstory of to why he is the way he is and it, it definitely differentiated from gene wilder who had more of the charm and more of the uh the kind of dark sly humor there and this this movie is it's you know very Tim Burton. It's very colorful and cartoony. Uh, you know, you look at the boat sequence from the first film, look at the boat sequence of this. It is a giant purple dragon ship and it's much more of an adventure when they go yeah, down Yeah, it's more like river. you're on a roller coaster ride through this film. Yeah, and then like we have, you know, obviously in the first film, they went with this whole idea of the, the geese and, uh, you know, they leave the golden eggs and then if it's a bad egg, it goes down and that's how Veruca uh, loses. Uh, and this, it is the squirrels, which I believe that is actually from the book. That is from the original, original source material. Yeah. The, the bad nuts. The bad nuts. So Don't catch the squirrels nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Similar concept. You could see why they were like, well, it'll be easier to, we can actually have a goose and then we could have like an animatronic goose instead of having 40 <laughs> animatronic squirrels that aren't going to, you know. Yeah, exactly. It, you could tell why the budget was like, it's going to be easier to do. Same concept, same, you know, bad bad egg bad nut but we can't do the same and there's just it's just a lot more grandiose in this film because of again the budget and cgi of the day and it it was kind of interesting to have the oompa loopas i mean they all did kind of look similar in the original movie because of the color palette and the way and stuff but this actually being um all the same actor you know just done multiple multiple ways uh was uh was very uh, interesting which of course is Deep Roy, who um, you've probably seen him in so many movies and didn't even know it because apart, I mean, another famous role you probably can, uh, you know, in recent years um, was in Chronicles of Narnia. He was the little dwarf that was the um, the, the White Witches, the White Witches um, you know, assistant. But he's been a, a stand-in for a lot of roles uh, for tons and tons of stuff. So uh, pretty cool that he got to play this and be, you know, like, uh, a pretty recognizable character and he's done he's done a ton of stuff he's, oh yeah uh, from star trek never ending story um he in more recent stuff like eastbound and down uh so yeah there's a lot and i think that was kind of i think that was an interesting choice to just have all the oompa loompas look the same i think that was kind of you know it was kind of fun and it's a smarter casting choice because you can do multiple it's like all right i'm uh i'm playing a, a million duty so <laughs> and and you know not sticking with the oompa loompa uh original song you know danny elfman coming back in here to uh do the music and the songs and i like that there was a little more of a rock feel to something a little more funk a little more they, rock. They, all, they all very different um different theme styles based on and and their color their costumes would change and they would do like this giant dance number after every death as i put in quotation marks um so it, it definitely was a little weirder and it just i, I think you know when you have someone like freddie highmore who you know at this time especially is a very well-known child actor um you really have someone to connect with and the other kids were all you know really funny in their roles and um of course the factory is huge and there's a little more of that tongue-in-cheek adult humor there overall um and i think tim Burton did a good job and honestly this movie had a budget of about 150 million and made 475 million worldwide so it's kind of cool, and it's also the second time that Freddie Highmore and Johnny Depp got to share the screen because they would have shared the screen a year before in Finding Neverland. 
which was pretty awesome. Um, which is not as happy a movie. No, for you now if you've never seen it. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, to think that that movie you know was the last true crack at a Willy Wonka uh, film. But we did get a word that uh, just recently that there's going to be a prequel film titled Wonka, uh, which will be a musical film set to release in 2023, and Timothy Chalamet has been cast as a young Willy Wonka. So I'm assuming this is going to be a movie based on how he probably, you know, the time era of him wanting to take on uh, being a candy maker, maybe meeting the Oompa Loompas. I'm sure it could be a whole thing of how he gets from probably a man of nothing to a man of mystery and great wealth and has this chocolate factory, um, which I think could be could be interesting. And, you know, it'd be kind of fun to see a, a film set in this franchise that doesn't follow the same formula of the same story of the, of the contest. You know? Yeah. I mean, and maybe it may not be a musical. It might be, um, no, they did say it's going to be a musical. It's going to be a musical. Okay. Yeah. Really cool. But if it, now would, do you think he's going to really kind of get his own inspiration or is he going to just, maybe I focus hope on the so, book? you know, I hope I mean, so, again, but... he's got the hairdo that he could, he could play like yeah. a Gene Wilder version. So he could, yeah, he could be like a young Gene Wilder. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, but, you know, this, I mean, you look at the break in time and we had 1971, 2005, now 2023. So we've never had anything really close back to back. Um, and obviously, you know, you, you being someone that has read Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, it's, it's weird that we've not seen like a film, you know, like, Alice in Wonderland that Tim Byrne did made like a billion dollars. So that's why they greenlit them doing Alice in, uh, through the looking glass, which didn't do as well, but still made money. And so it's, I, I, it's interesting that this Tim Byrne movie was a success, but then there was no follow-up to do the second book, but you know, that's Hollywood, baby. We don't know, but there, you know, there's been other adaptations of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, there is a great musical that came out originally in the UK and then made its way onto Broadway and has now uh, been a national tour for a few years, minus COVID, uh, which is pretty fun and exciting. There's some really great songs in there um, for the musical. And uh, there's a few that they do keep from the original movie, uh, Pure Imagination and Candyman. And I believe, I believe the Oompa Loompa song is still um, in that show. Um, if not, it might be, um, it might be, you know, uh, original music, but I know that they kept for sure, pure imagination and the candy man. Um, but, you know, think of that, you know, a Broadway musical. So, you know, how they use the sets and especially in the candy factory, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to imagine all that they could do on stage with material like that. But, you know, there's been other things. I mean, there's been, uh, there's been a couple of video games based on some of these properties. There's actually it was an adaptation. There was an animated uh, crossover where they had Tom and Jerry uh, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which I thought that was kind of funny. So Willy Wonka and Willy Wonka has, has been in a, kind of an iconic character that he's kind of popped up a little bit. I remember I think they you know you see like a lot of the crossover with creating candy based on that work like nerds. Yes, there's a whole actual candy and gobstoppers of, of Wonka, um, and just to think you know. As we have moved on into uh, the modern world where memes and gifts are a thing left and right all day, every day, 
Uh, Gene Walder has been uh, immortalized even further as this great sarcastic Willy Wonka meme of, oh, has your life been hard? Why don't you tell me about it? You know, you know and, the condescending Wonka, which yeah. 2011, so it's over 10 years that started. So we're celebrating the 10 year wow. anniversary of that meme. But yeah, it's just a perfect because he's just got that great expression. And it's apparently, if it's been estimated, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of variants of the meme. So the picture, same picture, wow. just different captions. And I think it just, I think it's just also a great part of his legacy of Gene Wilder. The fact that people are still like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a meme now. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, he was alive for a time of it, but I'm sure he would have, um, he would have been like, interesting. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, interesting that, uh, that, that uh, this is now, uh, how I look and, yeah. you know, how my image is being used. And I mean, there's other films and stuff that he's in that definitely does the same thing, but, you know, it's just, to, to think you know obviously the book came out in 1964 but to think 50 years celebrating 50 years since the movie that is a huge milestone and still uh just as popular as it was back then today and so many so many people have gone to see it uh over and over again introduce it to new generations to their kids you know being like this is a movie i loved when i was a kid now i'm going to show you and it's one I, it will definitely stand the test of time and you know we'll be interested to see apart from this upcoming walk movie in 2023 what other you know versions of Willy Wonka we might get down the line because there's still some fun source material here that they could play with. Maybe a vi- maybe a video game too, where you know you're. You well, know, I mean, there was a video game based off uh, the Johnny Depp version. I think there was also a video game sometime in the '80s uh, based off of this property. But it would be you know there there could be some. Um, I'm thinking of, of video games now where, you know, a lot of it you can do, um, you know, with the the virtual reality. Yeah, yeah, you go situation. through all That'd be pretty cool, but actually. Like, you, you actually have to go through and try to complete the different uh, tests and trials and try to make it to the end. There was, and there was some, and there were some pretty cool, um, if you know about video game adaptations, think about like the Harry Potter games they did in that. There were some pretty good ones, um, but yeah, it's, it's just so amazing. And, and uh, another big part of the legacy, I think, that kind of keeps it alive. And um, and I've had some fond memories here is, of course, of Hershey Park, yes. uh, where you can where you feel like you go to that factory and you walk around and just smell the chocolate. Oh, and yeah. it's just I think that's another kind of thing that kind of keeps that when every time I walked in there, I'm like, oh, I feel like we're at Willy Wonka's factory. You know, there's rides and adventures and it's all about candy and people are dressed as giant candy bars. So I think that's, that's <laughs> another thing about it. Like that's, uh, I think maybe the popularity of Hershey and Hershey park is probably would have to say it could have lent itself to this movie and this legacy. I wonder if we'll ever have a Willy Wonka theme park, just period. You know, there's a lot they could do there. I mean, you honestly, honestly you could, and people would pay. I mean, the fact that the legacy of this has lasted since the book and, and the movie of 50 years and counting, hey, you never know. I mean, they're making things new every day with we got Nintendo and all that. Why not? Why not? Give it to us. We want it. <laughs> we want a Willy Wonka roller coaster. I want it Willy Wonka boat ride. I want the world. I, I want, want the whole world. world. <laughs> so anyway, oh, folks, thanks for listening today. Happy 50th anniversary to Willy Wonka in the Chonka Factory, the original film that really uh, just is a timeless classic and will be for the next 50 years, you know? What a sweet treat it was. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. 
You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.